The Small Business Rundown is the official podcast of the National Federation of Independent Business, the member-driven voice of small business. NFIB and our members advocate to keep America's small businesses strong and independent in Washington, D.C., all 50 states, and the nation's courts. Welcome to the Small Business Rundown, your inside source for small business news and analysis in Washington, D.C. and in state capitals. I'm Adam Temple, NFIB's Senior Vice President of Advocacy. Today, we're talking about energy and how decisions made by lawmakers on the issue impact small businesses. We're honored to have House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana, and then later in the episode, we'll talk to NFIB member Lucas Jovig. First, a big welcome to Leader Scalise. We can't thank you enough for your time today. Well, Adam, it's great to be with you. Love what NFIB represents. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. So today we're talking about energy. Um, One of the leading bills under your leadership, H.R. 1, the Lower Energy Costs Act. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. We've seen, especially in the last two years under the Biden administration, energy policy has really become very anti-American energy, making it harder to produce energy in America. And the results have been skyrocketing costs. Mm -hmm. You know, you're seeing gasoline costs at the pump 50 percent higher. Household electricity costs are 20, 30, 40 percent higher and it's crushing families. So we brought a transformational bill, the Lower Energy Costs Act, to the floor, and it's really focused on a few things. We, we increased domestic production to make more energy in America. We reformed the broken permitting process, uh, not just in oil and gas, but across all industries. We revised uh, Biden's anti-American energy policies, and then we streamlined energy infrastructure and exports so that we can put shot clocks on federal agencies, get quicker answers so that we can build more pipelines and other things. And all that leads to increased production and lower prices for families. Right. Interesting. So in terms of the day-to-day impact on small businesses and their communities, um, you mentioned the bureaucratic permitting process. What are what are some of the projects that you're aware of that were delayed or maybe even canceled due to, to this, uh, this process? Yeah, unfortunately, we've seen so many projects delayed. The first one is probably one of the most famous examples. On the very first day Joe Biden took office, he killed the Keystone Pipeline. Right. You know, this was going to be a pipeline between Canada and the United States. I mean, a great you know relationship with two countries that have been longtime friends. And it's not that Biden is against all pipelines, because while he was killing the Keystone Pipeline, he was greenlighting Russia's pipeline, Nord Stream 2, to Germany. Mm-hmm. So he's only against American pipelines, and he was okay helping Russia. And so I think that poured even more gasoline on the fire, so to speak. Uh, But he's also done a number of things. I mean, look in the Northeast. Uh, There there are certain states that have have not even been able to get pipelines approved uh, because a state like New York might block pipelines. So you've got energy being produced in Ohio and Pennsylvania, and it can't even be sent to the northeastern states, the New England states, because a state like New York will just say, we don't want to let them move their transportation. I mean, you can't do interstate commerce. And so they end up putting on tankers and shipping it in from other countries in some cases. Uh, so those have been very specific examples. I see a lot of those examples in South Louisiana in my district where a company might have leases in the Gulf of Mexico on, on reserves that are massive, but they can't even get the permits to do the seismic or some of the other uh, work that would need to be done to then go and spend millions or billions of dollars to produce more energy, you need permits to do that to even exercise a lease that you might be paying millions of dollars for, and they can't even get those permits. Yes, sir. And, and those are some of the, the threats to the development and production side. 
on the on the positive side, how does the lower energy cost act? How will that expedite energy development and production? Well, the lower energy cost act will expedite energy development by reforming the broken permitting process. I think everybody knows how much red tape has been added just in the last two years. So in the bill, we streamline, for example, the NEPA process. Uh, we limit the scope of environmental reviews. We set real shot clocks on the federal agencies and create, in essence, a one-stop shop. So what, what happens a lot of times is some of these radical groups, you know, so-called environmental groups, might go to the Corps of Engineers and say, well, we don't, we, we're going to block the project because of this. And then you go to court two years later, you win. But then they go and file something through the Endangered Species Act because right. they found some mouse that nobody's ever heard of. And then you fight that for two years, and then they go through the Department of Interior. But they're gaming the system just to kill projects, not to protect the environment. And what it does is it just people just don't even – they walk away from the right. project. So by streamlining that process, it really is going to increase production because you're removing all this unnecessary red tape and in preventing, in some cases – far-left extremist states like New York from shutting down cross-border infrastructure projects. Uh, we, we also require the Interior Department to go back and resume their lease sales. There are federal laws that mandate lease sales, and they've just not even done some of those lease sales on federal land and water. Uh, we also increase America's ability to develop critical minerals. You know, you want to build more chips in America? You know, China right now has a lot of the critical minerals, but by the way, America does too. But the Biden administration won't permit the mining of a lot of critical minerals that we need to make electric car batteries or solar panels. So what happens is they all get made in China and get shipped to this country. We've got the critical minerals. And by the way, we have the highest environmental standards. You want to lower carbon emissions and help save the planet? Make more things in America because nobody does it better than us. Right, right. And from a small business perspective, how do you think the bill will, um, at the end of the day, affect or be a positive impact for small businesses? Now, we've seen small business get, get crushed under the weight of the Biden administration's mountains of regulations and all the other policies that have been anti-energy. It hurts small businesses. Uh, when Biden declared war, in essence, on American energy, it's driven energy costs through the roof. So if you're a small business you know, one of your, your high expenses are your energy costs. You know, right now, two years ago, energy costs were, were relatively low, especially compared to the rest of the world. Uh, that's changed dramatically. And so as your energy costs go up 40 percent, uh, that's a direct hit to your bottom line as a small business. Yeah. So with H.R. one, we said, rather than turn to foreign countries, why don't we actually make more energy in America? It'll lower the cost. You don't have to deal with cartels. I mean, when the the president got on Air Force One and went to Saudi Arabia and begged them to produce more oil. It was embarrassing, but they said no because they're a cartel. They're part of OPEC. OPEC wants higher prices. You don't need to go to OPEC. We have it here in America. If you open up American energy, we're a free market economy. We'll actually produce, and we'll, the cost will go down and be lowered for small businesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, so for the those that, that are listening to this or that will listen to this, a lot of them being small businesses – um, they're asking the question, how can I help? How can I help get this bill across the finish line? How can I make my voice heard? Um, you know, what, what is your, your, your suggestion for, for those folks? Well, Adam, this is a really important question for all the NFIB members, you know, because you probably sit, you're, you're worried about running your business every day. You, you're, you're probably angry when you see what Washington is doing, but you're saying sometimes, okay, what can I do as a small business? Well, number one, you got a great loud voice in NFIB. 
But you as an individual small business, have a member of Congress. Call your member of Congress and share the stories. A lot of them, a lot of you may know your members of Congress personally. If it helps me so much when my small business owners talk to me about, hey, this agency did this to me, and because of it, I wasn't able to go and expand my my uh, shop. I wasn't able to hire 32 more people. Those specific stories are powerful, not only to you, but to me, because when I'm then interviewing a cabinet secretary in a hearing and they're under oath, and, and sometimes they might be, you know, kind of straightforward back and forth. Sometimes they're very confrontational. If a cabinet secretary is doing things that are crushing small businesses, the more anecdotal stories I'm able to share that the more it helps me to push them back from doing all the destructive things they're doing to small businesses. So sharing those stories is critical. Uh, it is it is critical. And as an aside, we'll include a link in today's show notes that makes it easier for small business owners or supporters of small business owners to um, send a message to their member of Congress. Um, as we get ready to wrap up our conversation here, I know you've got plenty of other things to do. And again, we appreciate you joining us. Just thinking about working your your experience working with us with NFIB over the years, if I may ask, um, can you speak to the role that uh, that that NFIB has uh, on behalf of small businesses here in Washington? Yeah, NFIB is so so important to me. I mean, I've got great relationships with the small businesses in my district in mm-hmm. so many different industries. In a lot of ways, the small businesses that I hear from are very very active in the community, but they're also on the front lines of finding out bad things that are happening from Washington. I don't always find out some rule or regulation or a way it's being implemented adversely uh, because I, I, I'm told about it by a bureaucrat. It's usually the small business owner that calls and goes, do you know what the, the, the Department of Interior is doing to me or EPA or OSHA started harassing us? When I'm able to hear those stories, it makes it real where I can then go and fight. And a lot of times as I share that with other colleagues, they talk to their small business owners too. And in many cases we find out it's the same problem in other states, but everybody doesn't know about it because they're, they're not sharing those stories. So when a small business owner is reaching out to their small business, uh, their, their member of Congress, it really does have a ripple effect where all of a sudden other people around the country hear about it, and then we can take action and go try to fix it. So I know you all deal with red tape every day. It drives people nuts. Uh, but there's these unelected bureaucrats in Washington that just live in a bubble. They, right. Many of them never worked a day in their life in the real world, and they're detached from reality. And small business owners working with NFIB bring that reality to the rules and regulations that come out of Washington so we can go confront them with the things they're doing that are making life harder on you to actually go and create jobs and make this great country better. That's that's great to hear. Not that they're having problems, but that they're doing something about it, and we appreciate what you're doing about yeah. it. Just as we conclude, do you have any closing thoughts you'd want to share with our listeners? Look, we've been working really hard in this new majority to try to address a lot of the problems that are holding our economy back, and small businesses are on the front lines of it. Continue to share your stories with your members of Congress. It is invaluable to me when I hear those stories from my local small businesses. But then, especially now that we're in the majority, I can actually go take action. I can bring bills. I can file a bill to address a problem. I can bring a federal agency into a committee hearing and confront them on things that they're doing in the real world impact it's having that are hurting real people back home. Uh, so you help bring really bad policy to life. You have to live it every day. If you share it with us, we can actually go fight and try to change it in Washington. And I, I appreciate that relationship more than you can imagine. 
Well, we appreciate it as well. I think that's a good uh, place to button this up. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise uh, given us a lot of context on HR1, what small businesses can do about it. It's, it's really excellent. And we appreciate you taking the time to provide this information and, and, and give us this. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot, Adam. Appreciate what you and NFIB do to, to help make our economy work. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Now I'd like to introduce NFIB member Lucas Jovig. He's the president of Go Wireline LLC, a domestic energy production business that has around 200 employees working out of Western North Dakota and Colorado. Lucas, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, to begin, Lucas, just uh, if you could just tell our, our listeners a little bit more about, about your business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go Wireline is an energy service company. So we play an important part in the domestic energy production process. So we work on um, oil and gas wells, but also everything from like helium wells, uh, water wells, even carbon sequestration wells. And what we have is we have uh, trucks that are called wireline trucks with miles long spools of cable on them. And we also have pressure pumping uh, units, which have uh, several thousand horsepower, which are used to inject water down into wells for a variety of reasons. But the wireline trucks hoist tools inside of wells. And through that, we accomplish uh, a wide variety of tasks. A big part, important part of it is well integrity logging where we can ensure that the casing, which protects uh, the surface and groundwater zones from the producing zones is, is you know, is isolating those mm -hmm. and, and is good. And we also perforate and perform other services to make sure that we can uh, get the hydrocarbons out of the ground or the water or, or sequester the carbon or whatever it is we're trying to accomplish. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And how'd you get into that business? I'm just curious. It's a great question. Uh, it, it, so it's a family business. My father was in the business um, starting back in the 1980s. He and a, and a longtime business partner had a company and they had sold it in the mid 2000s and were still working with a group of guys. And in about 2011, they were talking about wanting to start over. And I uh, had left. I graduated uh, high school in 1999 and in North Dakota in 1999, it was about the worst time to enter the oil and gas right. business. So I drew a thousand mile circle around North Dakota and I went as, about as far away as I could to get away from it. But things had gotten really good. And so the opportunity of starting a business was really appealing to me. I was practicing law as a litigator in, in Las Vegas. And oh. so nine of us started this business in 2011 and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. That's that's a great story. Um, you, you mentioned a lot of the, the kind of what you do and, and how you do it. Have you had uh, projects that were delayed or canceled, um, postponed due to the, uh, the, you know, the permitting and environmental review process? That's a great question. Um, right now, I would say not necessarily or probably not as transparent to us. And so our customers who are going through that permitting process, and I know that there's there's some forward momentum on it. Like, let's say they have like a three to five year window of things they've permitted to, to, to get done. Where we run into issues at times are environmental control issues where let's say we're working in an area and we have a deadline to work because of breeding season or um, water rights issue that is that has impacted us. But about, I'd say roughly 10% of onshore work is on federal lands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we restrict permitting on federal lands and we take 10% of the wells out of production or, you know, future wells out, it's, it's going to have a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you were in 
Washington, D.C. recently. I was. I was invited by Representative Wesley Hunt out of Texas to come before um, a subcommittee of the House Committee on Small Business. And so it was the Subcommittee on Rural Development, Energy, and Supply Chain. And they held a hearing highlighting the role of small businesses in domestic energy production. And so I was really grateful for the opportunity to come and tell my story there. Right. That's that's great. We appreciate you taking the time out of your business. I know you're you're running a business. You don't have a lot of time. So it's a sacrifice to do that, but it's important. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier uh, with uh, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise is, is H.R. 1, the Lower Energy Costs Act. Um, based on from your perspective, how is that bill important for small businesses? I think there's a large aspect of it. You know, small businesses are the backbone of the oil and gas business and the energy business across from pulling energy out of the ground, whether it's coal or hydrocarbons uh, or renewables and putting it into transmission. And what we're talking about, I think that is is really key is permitting reform, not just in permitting new projects, which includes renewables, by the way. Um, when uh, there were four Democrats that uh, voted in favor of H.R. 1 and one of them it was ranking member Glusenkamp Perez from the subcommittee that I testified before. She, when she voted yes for it, her primary reason that she released was permitting reform. Hmm. And, you know, one of the other large issues that we have in this country right now is we need to get energy places where people need it. And we need pipelines to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. uh, the largest importers of hydrocarbons right now are the West and East Coast in the United States. And it's because we can't get pipelines built over to them to you know, get the energy where it needs to be. Um, and a lot of it is, is people in those areas, or I'd say one party doesn't really want it there. And, and I think this is a bipartisan issue. Right. Because if you really truly are worried about the environment, we want the cleanest source of energy we can get to uh, create to create electricity right now. Uh, it's it's not a future thing. We need to do, be working on it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously there's an associated paperwork cost or burden when anytime you're dealing with the permitting process. What's your experience been like? What's your paperwork burden like? Paperwork burden, I know for our customers can be can be pretty significant. And especially there's a wide gap between federal lands and uh, uh, state permitting. And so if you're going on private land doing state permitting, the process can be pretty streamlined. I know in North Dakota, there's been some challenges because the state permitting offices had trouble keeping up um, with labor um, because hiring is really challenging. Yeah. But, you know, from what I've heard of what it used to be that a federal permit would take six months and a state permit could maybe take a couple of weeks. And now there's zero visibility in the length of time of the federal permit. Wow. That's incredible. What, um, just shifting gears a little bit, going back to your, your, um, time here on the Hill testifying before Congress. What, for those listening that, that are wondering, what can I do? How can I help get bills like this across the finish line? What would you say to them about why it's important to engage with their members of Congress? Yeah, I think that's a, a really important question. And one that for any small business, including myself, I think it's easy to reflect and ask, why should I spend my time on, on this? And mm -hmm. when you go to Washington, D.C., you see, uh, professionals walking around, lobbyists, uh, you know, up to and including trade associations like the NFIB working on our behalf. But it's so much more powerful when members of Congress hear from you, the small business owner, um, you who has the issue, than somebody trying to speak on your behalf. There's there's so much power. And if there's one piece of feedback that I've heard in my trips to, to Washington, D.C., it's that we want to hear from you directly about 
what is what is holding you back how can we help and there is a genuine desire to be helpful and so when you can go and and tell your side of the story it's important too because somebody else is there advocating the opposite and so if somebody there is is advocating the opposite of what you think needs to happen if you're not there telling your story that it's possible that no one is and so it's very very important that we're out there advocating for ourselves exactly well, I know you're busy. You got to get back to it. Before we go, any other thoughts or things that uh, you think are valuable to share with our listeners? You know, I would just encourage everybody to engage with the NFIB team, who is wonderful. There are so many opportunities, and with the other uh, associations out there that are are trying to work in Washington D.C. And if anybody ever needs some encouragement, please reach out. All right, Lucas Jovic. I think that's a good place to leave it. We appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. For listeners interested in learning more about the Lower Energy Costs Act that we talked about, today's show notes have more information and a link where you can connect directly with your senators to ask them to pass H.R. 1. And now I want to thank you, the listeners, for joining us on today's Small Business Rundown. We'll be back every two weeks bringing you small business news and analysis from Washington, D.C. and state capitals so that you, whether you're a business owner or a supporter of one, can continue to blaze a trail. The Small Business Rundown is brought to you by NFIB the voice of small business. You can find us at NFIB.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.